from KPFK in Los Angeles, California, Valley Free Radio in Florence, Massachusetts, WMBR in Cambridge, and biketalk.org worldwide. This is Bike Talk. Bike Talk. Welcome to Bike Talk. Hey, Nick. Hey, Taylor. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, Shane. Oh, wait a minute. Lindsay and Seamus aren't here, are they? They're playing hooky. Yeah. It's just me and you, Nick. Yep. So I hear you were at the National Bike Summit this week. Yeah, uh, with my wife and kid. And we I got there the second to last day. I got to one workshop. And before I was conscripted into this alley cat race, I ended up volunteering for the organizer, Joel Gwads. Um, oh, and that's your first interview with Joel, Joel Gwads, right? Yeah, Galen Mook, our Boston co-host, who also heads the Massachusetts Bike Coalition, did the interview. Um, I thought an alley cat... Race is a race of, of bike messengers. Is that right? Yeah. That's so did you ride in it or not? Uh, not a, no. I handed out chocolate bars at one of the <laughs> checkpoints. <laughs> well, as long as it wasn't beers, because those guys can drink drink some beer, I think, too. Well, there is a beer connection. It was sponsored by Tour de Fat in New Belgium. Oh, beautiful. That comes out in this interview, too. Sounds good. Let's hear it. I'm Joel Gwads, DC local. I'm hosting an event adjacent to the National Bike Summit, the Intro to Alley Cat event. This is my friend John Yeast, and he's from New Belgium Brewing. They're one of the sponsors of the event this year. Joel and John, welcome to Bike Talk. Thank you very much. It's great to be in DC. Nice. So I'm curious about the alley cap. I'll talk about that in a second. But so far, what's your experience here at the National Bike Summit? Uh, I just got off of uh, Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, I got a chance to see a couple of things, and I realized that the traffic here is crazy. Atrocious, isn't it's it? It's amazing. At least we had a bike lane that I was gonna, I could weave through the cars uh, on. <laughs> but uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's good to be here because all of the advocates here are really trying to make that gridlock. Um, not disappear, but but just create options for people so they can get out on two wheels and, and hopefully get less cars out on the road. I love it. So uh, near New Belgium, is that Fort Collins? Fort Collins, Colorado is where I'm based, and we also have a facility in Asheville, North Carolina. So we tried to save our carbon footprint by moving a facility to the East Coast so we can save on uh, trucking costs and fuel. Difference between Fort Collins and D.C., in five words or less, and how to bike? Uh, it was easy in Fort Collins, I can't do it in five words. Sorry. <laughs> All right, easy in Fort Collins. Uh, the infrastructure in Fort Collins, uh, they had wide streets because they used to have a lot of uh, teams of horses. Mm-hmm. And so having infrastructure there was really easy. You had to paint lines. Uh, here, it's not about painting lines. It's about creating uh, barriers so that, so that nobody gets hit. Right, the separation. Nice. All right, Joel, you're a D.C. local, we'll put it. Yeah, I live in Washington, D.C. I wasn't born, but i Washington bred. I got a lot of miles on the D.C. streets. Nice. I imagine you were here pre-bike lane era? Um, yes. I, I, I enjoy the bike lanes. You know, I go in and out of them. I don't know if they're the sanctuary that people think they are. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because very often um, cars are parked in the bike lane. So even if you want to use the bicycle infrastructure, it's not always an option. Mm-hmm. But uh, a lot of the bike lanes are created without the knowledge that you know, let's say the bike lane is next to park cars, then you're you're putting every bicyclist into what's called the door zone. And if that cyclist is just riding around and they're not, not looking at each car, you know, they're in for a broken clavicle. Uh, I feel you. What does the summit mean to you here? Well, so I'm a local and, uh, you know, I, I'm hosting this event just because I love cycling. I want to share Washington, D.C. with the advocates, and uh, that's pretty much my role here. Cool. I dig that. So we're advocates. We're here. What do you want to share? 
Well, I'm hosting an Alley Cat. It's my intro to Alley Cat, my Alley Cat 101, my Alley Cat for Dummies, which is a bad name. You know, what's in a name? Because how can you make anything beginner? You know, 10 miles is 10 miles. It's a shorter than normal Alley Cat, but weekday Alley Cats tend to be short. And this Alley Cat has an interesting route that I created such that it uses a lot of the bike lanes. Well, so for our audience who is totally uninitiated what an Alley Cat actually is, can you give the, the quick elevator pitch? The elevator pitch is this, yeah, an Alley Cat is a messenger race. What is a messenger race? A bicycle scavenger hunt. I like to describe it as this. If you had two lumberjacks talking one lumberjack says the other, hey, I'm a better lumberjack than you, then you create a contest between lumberjacks. This is a contest between bicycle messengers. And no two alley cats are the same, but in short, it will test orienteering, speed, logic. They're the skills of the day of a messenger. As I understand it, you're gonna give us a undefined route. We have different stops, and we gotta get from point A to point Z and hit all the stops on between to get to the end. Is that right? Well, not every messenger is as good as the best messenger. Mm. And so I've actually created two manifests. The manifest would be a sheet of paper with information of the work that needs to be done that day. Mm -hmm. And in this case, you said, you know, so I've got 10 checkpoints. And the 10 checkpoints could be either be out of order, and the racers could choose what order to do that. But in this, in this case, they're in order. But I did one where the loop is done differently, just so if I had a lot of people, I could separate them. Cool. By a lot of people, I mean e-bikes. <laughs> Cheat bikes, right? Um, you know, I guess if my son used, um, use a computer to plagiarize a paper and he called it, um, what do they call it, like e-bike, I guess he called it an e-paper. Yeah, I'd call, I don't know if I'd call it cheating. <laughs> like a calculator instead of an abacus? What are we talking here? Um, <laughs> I just like the bike. And you know what, I love motorcycles. Amen. I okay. went cross-country on a motorcycle. My first trip to Colorado was on a motorcycle. And, yeah. uh, you know, I love motorcycles and I think there's a place for the e-bike. Just right now, I mean, if I were to spend that much money, I would just buy a motorcycle. You're you're a purist, right? Can we can we just say that? Yeah, I'm a bicyclist. I love I love bicycles just the way they are. Nice. You don't need to put a motor on it. I appreciate that. So you've been riding in the city for a long time. Were you a messenger here in DC? I yeah, I did a short stint as a messenger. Let's, and let's then talk I, about that for a minute. What was that like? Well, so I guess I did messenger work, both bike and motorcycle, back in like a messenger heyday, the '80s. Um, the parks were filled with messengers. It was insane. It was a pre. It was an analog world, mm -hmm. so your work was either on walk, given to you on walkie-talkie or you would use courtesy phones, and then you, after that you had the pager, and then you had a pager that had text information. But um, what was it like? I mean, it, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of funny, and people rode their bicycles around like fools, like it meant something. Like We were delivering these original packages, and, we, and there was just kind of this deliver-or-die idea mm -hmm. about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It, it was a fun time, but uh, hard to pay the bills with that. Yeah, I hear you there. Um, I can only imagine, I mean, D.C. in the 80s when, like, the punk scene was coming up and it was Reagan era, so... Yeah, well, and so that, that's sort of the thing. Like, so I was a bike messenger in an era when, although everyone loved to be a bike messenger, they were a bike messenger because of the freedom. And mm -hmm. you mentioned the punk thing. I mean, every D.C. punk person was a messenger for a day. You know, whether they, they may not have liked it or they may not have done it for a long time. They may have done it on a bike. They might have done it on foot. But a lot of the DC punk people, it gave them the freedom so that their bands could go on tour. We could, they could come and work as a messenger. They work for six months and they tour for three months and then they come back and they can just have another job and et cetera. I like to drink beer and sleep late. That's why I was a messenger. Yeah, teach his own. That's great. What are you most excited about with the Alley Cat that you're going to be introducing folks to? I have great pride in Washington, DC. And so I try to have this 
Alley Cat give a little bit of taste of DC history. So there's going to be a nod to DC Punk. There's going to be a few murals. There's going to be maybe touching on like a little bit of Afro DC, you know, just some iconic DC. Mm-hmm. And with 10 spots, I just tried to give a little, a little sampler package of, of DC. Cool. All right, let's pivot to John here. What are you uh, excited about coming up? Are you going to join the Alley Cat? Uh, I am going, I'm actually going to be the carrot at the end of the Alley Cat. Oh, so tell us more. I will, I will be at the finish um, buying beers for those people that come in and finish. Nice. So, yeah, um, I work for New Belgium Brewing, um, uh, makers of Fat Tire. We changed the recipe for Fat Tire and we changed the branding and, and we've tried to make it a little bit more carbon neutral. And so uh, we want to get the liquid to lips and so people can try it. I love it. So, besides beer and branding, what is the overlap between bike advocacy and New Belgium? Well, so, uh, my main gig, besides running around the country and throwing parties, is uh, Tour de Fat. And so I Such work Such a with... hard gig, man. I mean, <laughs> no. I know. It really parades is. and beers and biking. <laughs> I don't even know how you stand it. My job is weird. I have to admit that. But, uh, but it's fantastic. I love it the same. It keeps me, keeps me challenged. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we started working with local bike nonprofits uh, to give them an opportunity to raise uh, funds. Uh, we would set up a parade, pay for the infrastructure, and, and people would costume up, ride in a parade, and uh, end up in a park where a spontaneous party would happen. In Fort Collins this past uh, fall, we had somewhere around 20, 22,000 people out on bikes riding around wow. uh, on the streets of uh, Fort Collins. Yeah. Uh, and so ultimately it, it becomes uh, an opportunity for a nonprofit to, um, you know, put some money into the cause, uh, whether it's hiring an executive director, whether it's putting into programs, education, youth, marketing, whatever was needed. Um, so it was just, you know, unsolicited funds that they could utilize um, for their programs and services. That's great. And you've been doing this for quite some time, I imagine, right? Uh, so Tour de Fad has actually been around for over 21 years. Wow. Have you seen, like, can you point to a few tangible examples of like, oh yeah, Tour de Fad helped make that happen? You know, two decades on. Uh, a couple of our partners, most recent, Asheville on Bikes with Mike Sewell. Um, you know, that executive director paid position uh, became an opportunity. Cool. Bike Walk um, North Carolina, uh, Boise Bicycle Project, and Jimmy Halliburton. We were able to help put a roof on, on that facility. We're just the conduit. We can help people to raise money to, mm-hmm. to build advocacy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, in the 21 years of Tour de Fat, it's been just shy of $900,000 that has been raised for local bike nonprofits. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Nick, you want to jump in here? Uh, yeah, we had one in uh, Los Angeles mm-hmm. where Bike Talk started. We've tried to be strategic this coming year uh, through the pandemic and a lot of different forces, but uh, um, we're in two cities now. So we're at our, our, where our brewing facilities are. We're in Fort Collins and we're in Asheville. Asheville's more of the, the smaller grassroots. I think there's 3,000 people. So if anybody wants to get kind of that look and feel of what Tour de Fat was way back in the day, come to Asheville uh, in October. Mm-hmm. Well, but, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, it was needed to have kind of a cultural push. You know, before we had bike lanes, before we had major infrastructure projects, we needed people to come out and turn out and get all sorts of people to kind of get that. In my opinion, coming from Boston, we need to get a groundswell. And with that groundswell, then we could make political arguments, and those political arguments turn into real change. We had, I think, only maybe two Tour de Fats, but we had similar style parades, you know, just kind of getting people together that otherwise would have been disparate and and spread out so you know like we have joel here as a messenger like arguably not the most open of groups but coming out to a beer fest and they're going to combine with the roadies they're going to combine with uh, the wheelie kids they're going to combine with the, the commuters and it really shows that the power in numbers really comes out i do want to just comment though about boston and when we were there oh, in sure. 2019 mm-hmm. i was really proud because there were probably about 80 people that showed up and you have to understand that it was a torrential downpour it was pouring thunderstorm it was pouring yeah. thunderstorm yeah. 
I was sitting back with the performers and they're, they're well, should we go on? What do we do? And all of a sudden we heard a, a bike bell and then two bike bells. And the, the performers looked at the swell of people come in and they're like, oh, no, we have to do it now. Nice. I mean, we, we can't not do this. Can you describe the Tour de Fat? Because I know that there's a, a kind of aesthetic I've seen in a, a lot of different places mm-hmm. and I don't know exactly how to define it. The elevator speech for Tour de Fat is um, it's a costume bicycle parade that spontaneously erupts into a party. Um, ultimately, it's just innovation. Uh, it started out as cruiser crit, uh, basically a, a cruiser crit race uh, in Lawrence, Kansas. And they were just uh, two guys, DK and Brian Simpson, were in a truck and a trailer and they had a bunch of beer and some bicycles. And then they started in this small, you know, small little um, traveling bicycle extravaganza. It started to get a little bit more vaudeville. Uh, March 4th got involved and they gave us, you know, just a lot of uh, fun and excitement. Um, the art bikes um, or the freak bikes, whatever you want to call it. The art bikes are you get into a pit and you get the joy of learning how to re-ride a bicycle again because, you know, there's unicycles and, um, you know, swing bikes and, and a lot of different variety. And then and then it became, you know, kind of performance of the slow ride and, and we give away a bike and the car for bike trader. And so it just kind of evolved to what whatever we could do to help a nonprofit leverage to make some money. Yeah, it's really it's a really unique day and I really enjoyed when it came to DC. It's like glow in the dark. It does it, it is what it is. It's tour de fat, you know? Like like glow in the dark describes it and defines it and it's the word used for it. Tour de fat, it is what it is. And what's in a name? Tour de fat, you know. It's, it's expression. There was a, a play off of the Tour de France and the Tour de Fat. The costume, there is no theme at Tour de Fat. The costume is just whatever you feel like wearing that day. But, so since the Tour de Fat has gone on, like, I mean, DC's kind of a uptight, not really a costume town. We're a little uptight. But... We're all those suits on Capitol Hill. Yeah, it's almost like Burning Man style outfit yeah. that it's in the closet. And maybe over the years they've added to it or they might be at, at a... You know, yards, you know, something, and they see something that they could turn into a steampunk hat or something like that. So it's there, there's a lot of pride in the costumes, and every year these people come out and they put it out. Like it's it's not just what am I going to wear? It's like they have their tour de fat attire. Oh, I, I see what you did there. <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> that just did itself. All right, one last question for you both. Open-ended question. What is your bike joy? My bike joy is is the bike ride that day. Like. Am I, am I riding my bike down here to going, God, I really wish I was mountain biking right now. No, I'm enjoying riding my bike right here, and I enjoy cycling in many disciplines. I have many different types of bikes. The, the bicycle gives me joy in many different ways. I like to go fast, or what I think is fast, you know. And, you know, I, I, I like to ride lots of different bikes in lots of different ways. Oh, yeah, it's kind of very zen. <laughs> Whatever ride you're on. Yeah. John? It makes me smile. It just... it. It keeps me healthy, but it makes me smile. And even if I'm having a, a rough day, I go get out on the bike, even if it's for 10 minutes. It clears my mental health. All right, Joel from, uh, what's, is there an org or is it just the Alley Cats around uh, DC? How do we find you? Yeah, Guadzilla. I mean, I have Instagram Guadzilla, Facebook Guadzilla. I used to keep a blog, Guadzilla. Guadzilla, okay. Yeah. All right. Guads, Guadzilla, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I guess that's how you could find me. Um, you know, my pronoun is we. 
because I'm bigger than most people. <laughs> He's a pretty big guy for all your radio fans out there. He has a big beard and everything, too. So Joel Guadzi from the Guadzilla Alley Cat Planet. race. Planet, yeah, universe here. Exactly. Uh, and, and John Yeast yep. of No Relation to Beer Yeast. Uh-huh. So I did not change my name to get my uh, job, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, and you can check him out, Fat Tire, and um, just is there any Instagram that... Um, yeah, uh, Fat Tire Instagram, uh, and then uh, the Tour de Fat Instagram. Awesome, cool. We'll come check you out, and uh, we'll see you on the roads. I volunteered to staff one of the Intro to Alley Cat ride checkpoints. Here is an interview with the other volunteers at that checkpoint, Lisa and Marina, followed by sounds from the ride and more of Galen's interviews. So I'm standing here at this mural that says love in rainbow colors with Marina and Lisa. And Lisa came all the way from Idaho, not specifically for this Alley Cat, but for the Bike Summit. Are you in bike advocacy or anything? I am in bike advocacy. I work for the Safe Routes to School program, and I also uh, board president for the Treasure Valley Cycling Alliance in Boise, Idaho. Do they have Tour de Fat in Boise? We used to have Tour de Fat. Okay. That's how I got to meet all these great bike advocates and how I met the how I met Joel Guads, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so this will all go together. Great. And this is Marina, and you've done this Alley Cat before. I volunteered at a lot of these Alley Cats, and I live in Washington, D.C., and I I use the Capital Bike Share rental bikes, uh, which are wonderful. Um, they're all around the city, and they're planning to add more to their fleet. And Joel works for Capital? Yes, he does. He works for Capital Bike Share. Mm-hmm. And so you have a what? A, what kind of pass do you have? Um, I have an annual pass. Okay. Yeah, and I can ride wherever I want, unlimited for 45 minutes at a time, as long as I dock the bike, and then I can get another one. It's like every bike is your bike. True, and you don't need to fix them. And I mean, of course, it, they're heavier, and you have to know where to drop them off and pick them up. So it kills some time. But it, I mean, I love it. You want to briefly explain how this this works, the whole alley cat concept? So there's a list of checkpoints where you have to stop and do whatever is asked. So it might be take a selfie here or sit up on this big giant chair over at the. Um, I think it's the Duke Ellington High School. Um, you know, they have to do specific things sometimes or, or prove that they've been there somehow. So they have to figure out which order to do it in so they're not going from one end to the city of, to the other and back and forth. They're trying to um, conserve their energy and and um, navigate the system most efficiently. Right, right. So there's a lot of strategy. Who wins these things? Um, some of them are former bike messengers. Um, they're... Uh, very quick and very competitive. They're highly competitive. They want everything to run smoothly so they can stop, do whatever they need to, and go to the next checkpoint. Some involve obstacle courses. Um, um, yeah, there's some very interesting ones that have been done. Um, one was in the cemetery during Halloween. You know, part of it was in the cemetery. So, uh, yeah, a lot of them are themed. So there was a Lincoln-themed one. Um, uh, yeah, so it adds to the uh, interest. Yeah, I know. I've been to one that was uh, Thanksgiving-themed. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Tell me about D.C. briefly. And, and since this is like a good way to... In fact, it's not just a good way to know the city. It's You need to know the city, right? You do need to know the city. There are a lot of one-way streets. Um, there are a lot of people. There are a lot of cars, um, especially at this time of day we've just been riding. And you have to know how to ride safely, um, especially if you're doing a race like this. You know, you have to ride quickly and safely. Um, you want to protect yourself. You want to protect others. And, um, yeah, you just want to get around as quickly as you can. 
Uh -huh. Have you been to an alley cat to bring you back into it, Lisa? Yes, I have actually. Oh, okay. Yep. So Thanksgiving themed, Cranksgiving. You did go to uh, so that's several what it... times. Yeah, several times. That's super fun. Our teams usually win. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they have teams. Yep, we have teams of four to six people, or you can do an individual, but you end up carrying the biggest turkey possible, <laughs> and onions, and everything else, stuffing, <laughs> corn, beans, potatoes. Yeah, it can be heavy, so we run, we're a part of a cargo biking group in Boise, so we carry cargo, and we're racing our cargo bikes, actually, so it's super fun. We used to have a bigger racing culture back several years ago for alley cats but it's kind of dropped off though we've got critical mass coming back to boise which i'm super proud of so it formed under the mutual aid organizations during covid time and people just wanted to get together and then they're actually fundraising for people's needs and so it's a very cool event it was there was no critical mass for years and then during covid it came back and people are getting out there's one coming up in boise so raising money for Idaho abortion rights, actually. So, yeah, it's actually pretty cool. Here we are standing in front of a rainbow, um, and we're going to give out chocolate bars. So let's get pumped, right? But, yeah, chocolate bars for our sponsors, Dr. Bonner. And, um, yeah, uh, Dr. Bonner's uh, Magic All-in-One Chocolate. It's absolutely delicious, <laughs> just to give them a plug. It's probably one of the best chocolates I've ever had. All right, so we're going to just deal with happiness tonight. Absolutely. Right it's a beautiful evening in Washington, D.C. Yeah, what could be happier than riding a bike? Good luck. 11. 11. Yes! Good you luck. Enjoy. Yep, this way, this way. This way, this way, this way! Oh, grab something or what? Salted almond butter or hazelnut butter? Hazelnut, please. Hazelnut. Thank you much. You take a photo from salted almond butter? Yes. Chocolate. Salted caramel. I don't know if you need Thank you, guys. Yeah, good luck. Have fun. Good luck. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'm sure that. They're free. Oh. Yeah, but they're like $6 each. They're Dr. Brown. They're really expensive. Yeah. They are. So That's enjoy right. it. And don't forget well, your selfie. Yeah. Hello. Oh, no. Hey. Okay. Uh, is this a photo of the mural? Or? Yeah, I don't know what it says. What does it say on the paper? Photo. Oh, no. I don't know if it's a selfie photo. or not. Love would you like a chocolate? I would love it. Okay. Would you like salted caramel or hazelnut? Oh, hazelnut. There you go. Dr. Brown. There are a few people for you guys, so. <laughs> It doesn't matter, it's all I'm, not, I'm, not going, I'm not going down to the mall, I'm going out. Okay, all right, okay. you deserve it. Good luck. Yeah, good luck, have fun. Alley Cat is a way for the community to connect over a shared love of biking and winning stuff <laughs> and appreciating DC landmarks. Yes, okay, um, all right. Oh, All right, so I'm here with Keisha. We're just rounding out. Uh, yeah, we're, we're rounding out the alley cat. Time is called. We are done with the ride. But Keisha, you killed it. You beat me. How'd you do today? Uh, I would have done better if I didn't uh, miss the Sylvan Theater, one of the stops, and then lose my uh, lose one of my pickups. Oh, no. <laughs> so that just, like, catapulted me to the bottom. So <laughs> not so good. But it was my first. And I'm happy, so it was fun. Word. We rode together for a little bit, at least to the MLK Museum uh, Library, but then you just took off. So <laughs> how do you think you did overall? If you don't count the things I missed, um, somewhere like first 
15, 10, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I dig it. Regardless of where you landed, did you have fun? I did. It was a lot of fun. Um, I have seen um, them host some, some alley cats before. I never was able to make it, so this is my first. Cool. Yeah, what, what brought you here? Like, what's the, uh, I don't know, how'd you find out about it? Uh, so, I presented today at the uh, Bike Summit. Tell me about that. Yeah, I did um, a presentation called They Were Seeds, The Buried Legacy of Black Wheel Women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, that's how I found out about it. I was at the summit, um, and I saw it. That's great. So, um, I unfortunately had to miss that one because there's so many conflicting. Yeah. But tell me about that session, and then we'll talk about the ride tonight. Yeah, so um, that session was basically about celebrating and honoring um, the legacy that black women have on bikes. Uh, Oftentimes their history is is buried. So we talked about some names. Kitty Knox is one of them. Adela Johnson is another. Um, We also highlighted some women today that are creating legacy and making impact in their communities uh, from advocacy to uh, cycling or racing. Um, community building, all kinds of things. So it was really great. That's wonderful. Um, how did you learn about some of the history? And, and I mean, this, some of this goes back over a century. Um, yeah. How did you personally kind of get interested in that? Uh, well, being a black woman, I did not know about all of these communities of biking until I was in my 30s. Um, and I asked why, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, why is it that I had never seen anyone Um, growing up that did these kind of activities and so I am somebody that likes history so I did some digging and as I'm finding these stories I'm like why do people not know about these things and so that just made me dig more and also get to a point now where I want to share it. Thank you so much for sharing that by the way Um, I heard it was awesome and it's recorded so thank you for for making that available. What's some one or two kind of sparks of inspiration of history that um, that you kind of lean into about uh, kind of keeping you moving? Uh, Sparks. Well, I'm one of the names that I just mentioned, Adela Johnson. She was a racer out of uh, Oakland, California, and she was really big on wanting to break records and compete against um, against color lines. At that time, black women, uh, white women didn't uh, race together. And she wanted to kind of build that bridge. Um, And I just think it's really incredible how she was so gun ho about like being competitive and really wanting to like be inclusive. Um, I thought that was pretty dope and it's something that's definitely been a great inspiration. Fast forward to right now. How does that play into your racing tonight? Uh, Well, I was here for fun, but it is fun to be competitive. So (laughs) Um, yeah, I had a little bit to do with it. I think I was more on the side of fun, but it would have been nice to also be competitive had I not lost those two pieces. Uh, I know, you're really (laughs) kicking yourself over that. Don't worry. I know, I'm just like, even supposed to be on my bike today. <laughs> I dig it. Well, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you, and I'm glad that you're here at the summit. What is your bike joy? Ooh, my bike joy is just sharing bike experiences, going off into no man's land, discovering new areas I've never seen, um, and doing it with my community. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Keisha. It's an honor to ride with you today. Yes, Okay, what are we doing here? So this is Tour to Bike Lane, and we come together at this intersection uh, at random intervals, and we like to cheer on everyone riding bikes like they're finishing a stage in the Tour de France. (laughs) So who are we cheering on? 
everybody who comes by on a bike or a scooter. Or a ton of commuters. This is one of the biggest thoroughfares for cycling in the city. So these are a lot of people coming from their office to get back home. Like this gentleman just came by in a suit coat, so he was almost certainly at his office. And we're just like, hey, thanks for actually making the trip on, on your actual bicycle. Oh, that's so kind of you. So this is just a gratitude. It is. The, uh, this event was started by my late husband, David Confer. Okay. He was a huge uh, fixture in the DC cycling community. We lost him at the end of 2020 to uh, liver disease. I'm sorry. And uh, some really horrific racial bias in medicine and the way black people are treated. Oh, I'm sorry. And so one of the things that we as a community have done to carry on his legacy of community and inclusivity is we've kept up the tour de bike lanes. Awesome. Hey, this is wonderful. This is like the happiest thing I've seen all week long. That's what we uh, we try to do here. I mean, we have a great community, and this is one of the most fun things we can do together for other people on bikes is to post up here and be ridiculous. We have cowbells and vuvuzuelas and tambourines. and. <laughs> now we're doing this for an alley cat. Is this usually like alley cat adjacent or is this just whatever? This, this was meant as a uh, checkpoint to be a memorial both to David as a fixture in the community yeah. and to celebrate bikes. You know, we thought with the uh, doing the alley cat in conjunction with the National Bike Summit, mm -hmm. that having this as a checkpoint, something for people coming from other places to experience, would be really joyful. This is so good. So <laughs> this is an easy one. I don't even know why I have to ask this, but what is your bike joy? I love riding. I love riding the bike. I love getting out and just riding through the streets here in DC and seeing people. There's nothing quite like the joy of being out on two wheels. It's freedom. This is Bike Talk. You're listening to sounds and interviews from the Alley Cat Ride at the National Bike Summit in Washington, D.C. Here's an interview with Galen Mook and Josh from Grand Rapids. Something's happening. There's some bubbling out there right now in D.C. I'm uh, Overall, if I could summarize, it was an exploration of some of, of a wonderful community. Um, covered a lot of ground. Um, avoided a lot of traffic. There's so much congestion out there, and we just zipped all around it. The last bit of it was, I don't know, what, five miles, maybe more, on the beautiful bike path, yeah. like this awesome multi-use pathway that parallels the uh, metro that gets us to where our, our stop is here. And here we are. We got a, a wide group of people, some locals, some out-of-towners, some young, some old. Everybody is here because they love bikes, right? Right. So... Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a great way to celebrate. Yeah, including Josh over here. How was your ride? Sweaty. <laughs> In a word. <laughs> Sweaty. No, no, really. But like, how'd you do? What was... It was a blast. I really enjoyed it. It was a great way to see a new city that I've never biked around before. I've only walked here in D.C. So just really enjoyed the opportunity to... Uh, bike around and see new favorite things. stop. What's your favorite stop? Uh, I I like frisbee, so the frisbee stop that was pretty neat. How many did you get? Oh, only two. So okay. I shouldn't yeah. say that. I said that was my least favorite because I should have done better. Yeah. Two's pretty bad. Like okay, so I I, I will confess I did zero. Um, but then I stuck around. I was like, I got to do it again. And then I, I, I redeemed myself. For sure. So I feel I feel a little bit better. Awesome. Um, that's great. Yeah. It's a good time. So the, the, the thing is you had to uh, throw Frisbees into a bike wheel. 
that was hanging from a tree. I see. And um, I, I, I didn't account for the wind. The wind was, it was too much. So where are you from, Josh? I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. That's right. Yeah, so, so how is Grand Rapids compared to uh, Washington, D.C.? Uh, colder right now, this time of the year. And I mean biking. biking. We're here to talk oh, bikes. Oh, my gosh. A lot more infrastructure than Grand Rapids and just something to admire and uh, really focus on getting local government to get the infrastructure in Grand Rapids because we, we have the biking community. It's just we need we need this, uh, them to show up and really uh, improve the bikeways that we do have and uh, expand on them. So your aim now is like a groundswell yeah. of people to turn out. For sure. Uh, have you done an alley cat in Grand Rapids? No, um, but definitely going to bring it back. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I love scavenger hunts first and foremost, so um, it's a great way to combine that and uh, biking, so really excited to do that and I'm um, really excited to bring back the ideas from DC bike party too so that Ooh, are you gonna join the bike party ride tomorrow I'm not I'm taking off back to Grand Rapids tomorrow so okay. well I'll I will out. if you start Grand Rapids bike party I might have to make a trip up right. sounds good yeah I'll, I'll, I'll hold you to it okay what is your bike joy secretly I enjoy getting yelled at when I'm on my bike <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why. Interesting. There's, there's it's just, something about it. Is it like you like to poke the bear? Is that yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like uh, being able to slam on a, a car hood. All right, let's do this way. How many red lights did you run today? Um, too many to count. <laughs> It was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> was we were all pretty safe. Yeah. It was, we were, to be honest. We were in a group, and it, we were looking both ways four or five times. Traffic was blocked. Like, sure, some cyclists broke the law today, but there are way more drivers who were blocking the box, which yeah. is arguably way more dangerous yeah. if you want to get comparative, which we don't, but I hear you. For sure. Thanks for this interview. I don't know what to say. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. Uh, high fives. Woo! <laughs> This is Nick Richard, and you're listening to Bike Talk. On the last day of the National Bike Summit, at the summit's closing reception, I interviewed Senator Earl Blumenauer. But first, Dara Silverman of the Agile Rascal Bike Theater. So where is the Agile Rascal? I'm based out of Philadelphia, but we're actually a, a, a loose association of artists that are from all over that come together to create new plays with uh, environmental themes and uh, to support bike advocacy. And sometimes we tour them on our bicycles, and sometimes we create plays where the audience rides on bicycles. And the play unfolds on bikes and off the bikes as well. That sounds amazing. So it's a play? It's many plays. We've already done four plays. We. I'm a playwright originally, that's my background. So, so I, so we'll, sometimes I'll create the plays with the people in my company, uh, which is a, um, a technique in theater called devising, which is uh, a way that you can uh, collectively create uh, theater pieces. And sometimes I'll just write the plays on my own for members of the company. The whole thing takes place on bikes? Originally, it started out as a touring company. So we wrote our plays, and then we toured them on our bicycles. So we'd put our costumes, our props, our sets, our musical instruments, our lights, our puppets on our bikes. And sometimes we used trailers when it was flat enough to carry trailers. Um, and sometimes when it wasn't flat enough, we'd still carry trailers. Um, and then we would ride hundreds, sometimes thousands of miles um, and perform in bike shops, libraries, community centers, parks, anywhere that was excited to host us. And we perform for free, and our shows are family friendly, and uh, usually addressing environmental themes of the land that we're touring through. 
Um, but then we started doing projects as well. We realized that really to have the most impact, we wanted to share the experience of cycling with our audience. So we created, uh, we've done one play in uh, 2019 that was a play where the audience rode on bicycles and as they would bike through the land and they were sort of being guided by actors in character, um, they were on a hunt uh, and we decorated the bicycles like horses and they were hunting and then we would encounter other performers in the landscape um, and the play unfolded over I think like about a three mile ride and our next project is a similar project where the audience will be riding on bicycles in Philadelphia and it will also be about bikes and bike safety and transportation justice. Wow. Thanks. Uh... <laughs> That's the correct response. <laughs> Is it often in Philadelphia? Because you're based in Philadelphia. I'm based in Philadelphia, and I'll be working with um, several collaborators that will be coming to Philadelphia, but we'll also be working with local artists as well. Um, and then after we, this project will be um, in September of this year as part of the Philadelphia Fringe Festival, and then after that we'll be looking to bring it to other cities as well. Where can we find out more? Is it online? Yeah, you can go to our website, Agile Rascal Theater, but that's with uh, R-E at the end. If you just Google Agile Rascal, Agile Rascal Theater, we pop up. We're not hard to find. Do you have uh, videos and stuff? Yeah, if you go to our website, um, uh, there's a whole page with videos from our shows um, and information about our tours. And now the interview with Portland's Congressional Representative Earl Blumenauer at the National Bike Summit's closing reception in Washington, D.C. Well, this is uh, the moment for the cycling advocates being able to burn calories instead of fossil fuel is something that is almost universally embraced. Uh, cycling is the most efficient form of transportation ever designed. Uh, a tourist on a bike is much more likely to shop at a restaurant or a bookstore than somebody who's whizzing through at 45 or 60 miles an hour. Um, and it's a, it's a great attitude adjustment in terms of lifting the spirits. Uh, this is the moment we had unprecedented amount of money that was available under the transportation and infrastructure legislation that we just passed. But now we've got to work with people around the country to get their fair share of it. Okay, so that's the main thing you're focused on right now as far as bike advocacy is getting getting it out to the different organizations? Well, there are a series of things. We're looking at making sure that our advocacy is advanced safe routes to school. I mean, these are a whole suite of things. And I, of course, I have the e-bike legislation to provide a tax credit and promote cycling and the bike e-infrastructure. And so, Representative Blumenauer, you, you've been like the bikiest person uh, in, in D.C., I would think, for, for all this time. Well, uh, I came to Washington over 25 years ago and brought a couple of bicycles instead of a car. That's how I got to work this morning. Uh, we founded the Bike Caucus. We work with the advocates. We've had important legislation. But I'm willing to surrender the title for anybody that will do more than I'm doing. We, the more, the merrier. What would be a bike joy? Well, for me, uh, some of my most memorable experiences with family and friends have been on a bike. Uh, cycle Oregon, overseas, uh, these are highlights. But I will say 
the first time I was on our bike lanes on Pennsylvania Avenue, watching all these people go by, gave me a special point of pride that that's something that came out of a bike summit about 13 years ago. And we were able to make it happen. All right, well, thank you for everything you're doing and that you've done and will continue to do. And uh, I guess we'll see you at the next bike summit too, right? You bet. That was great, Nick. I've been a fan of Blumenauer's for a long time. I, I, I didn't realize that he started a bike caucus. I didn't either. That's really cool. Yeah. So you've gone from the national dealing with Earl Blumenauer now to a, a local bike club. This is your next interview, right? Yeah. Let's hear it. This is the end of the first semester of Bike Club at JFK Middle School in Northampton, Massachusetts. The Bike Club instructors, Pedal People founder Ruthie Woodring and Adele Paquin, reflect on teaching their first semester. So it's Wednesday, another Wednesday. Adele and I just arrived another Bike Club Wednesday afternoon at JFK. Um, Adele, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Adele. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and um, so have you, so we're doing this bike club at JFK, only the fifth, the fifth one. How, how's it going? What, what, what have you been doing? What have we been doing? We've been hanging out with kids and talking about bikes and messing around with bikes. <laughs> and today we got to ride bikes. Yeah, the first day it was warm, a warm March spring day, the first Wednesday of spring. We took a ride to Look Park. What was your favorite part about the ride today? I really enjoyed that our group had a lot of fun just like riding together. Yeah. And just being outside and we played some games and those were fun. Yeah. There was a big patch of snow and they tried yeah. riding through the snow. Yeah. We played a game in a circle where um, you have like a circle of cones. We used pine cones <laughs> and they ride around the circle and if you put your foot down, you have to become an obstacle. Mm -hmm. and the goal is to not put your foot down. And they all have to practice their balance and coordination and laugh at each other and yeah. And there's some, it's, all, it's five boys. Some are like super skilled cyclocross racer types and others are maybe expected to be that, but maybe not there yet, but all like really great riders and good sports and all that. Yeah, yeah, they're eighth graders, so I think like I don't know, that's such a difficult age, but I think when they were on their bikes, they just kind of forgot about everything and enjoyed yeah. riding together. It's such, such a beautiful place to the path and the park and the pine trees. And yeah, do you have any goals for the class? I think that I went into this with like a lot of plans. I was like, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this. And then we quickly realized that we were only spending one hour a week with a rotating cast of characters <laughs> between two and five could show up any day. And so I think for the last couple ones, we're just really focused on having fun with them. Yeah. Maybe play some more games. The cool thing about bike games is that you can learn coordination and learn about gearing and all this stuff while you're playing a game and you're learning it without really realizing it because you're just practicing yeah. it. So yeah. I'm a big fan of that. That game that we played a week or two ago was pretty fun too. Oh yeah. Where we had a bag of mixed parts and gave a kid a part behind their back where they didn't look <laughs> at it and no one else looking at them could see it. And then just by feel and describing it, they tried to describe to the group what it was and have the group guess, even though the person with the part in their hand might not even know what yeah, it was. Sometimes they didn't know what it was either. Yeah. And it was really hard to guess, but it was also really fun. They got into it. Yeah. I think they enjoyed that. Yeah. 
And then we also have a joke, bike joke every day, every time. Yeah, at the end of every session, Ruthie tells a bike joke that she's found <laughs> online. They're usually pretty funny. The kids actually laugh at them. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, and another goal of mine is is for them all to ABC quick check their bike before they ride it. That's right. Um, yeah, getting them comfortable with making sure their tires are aired up, their brakes are good, their chain's good. We adjusted their helmets today, which I think was a really good thing. Oh, helmets yeah. come out of adjustments so easily. Yeah. The straps just get all loose and all catawampus. Yeah. And yeah. And we haven't talked about this yet, but one of my other goals is to just have more conversations about riding a bike and the possibilities that that has for the world and riding in different, for different reasons and different circumstances. I think we should do that next week. Yeah. We should make that. a point to do that. Yeah. It's important. Cool. Well, thanks, Adele. It's really fun doing this class with you. Yeah. <laughs> this has been really good for our friendship. <laughs> this is Bike Talk. Our last interview is with Mumpumbi, the bike entrepreneur from Soweto, South Africa. Mumpumbi leads tours from his bike shop, including one which donates books to community libraries. Tour the libraries. Tour the libraries is basically a group ride. We come together, donate books. And then we cycle to different community libraries in and around Soweto and Johannesburg to go donate the books, um, helping those, those community libraries to have uh, more books. Uh, in South Africa, grade fours and threes, they don't read that much. So I'm trying to help them um, to gain access to education and books, you know, because it's unfair for us to say kids can't read, but the libraries don't have books because that's the situation with community libraries. We have a lot of community libraries, but they don't have books. So I thought it would be a good way of, of playing our part as the youth of Johannesburg and Soweto to donate books to these libraries. But obviously we include um, cycling and bicycles yeah, into the initiative. So you connected two things I'm assuming that you, that you love, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I mean, I mean, I never had a bicycle at a young age, but in my street, there was always one kid with a bike and they used to borrow us bicycles, uh, their, their bicycle to ride up and down. I mean, if you look close on my teeth, I got like a teeth that's a crooked a bit. That's because I fell off a bike. Um, and a bicycle is something that I've, it's always been part of my life one way or the other, whether it's me racing or just commuting using a bicycle. Um, and then obviously with books, um, I've never had an opportunity to use books as an escape because when I was older, then I started using books as an escape, started reading, started getting more information on certain things. So then I thought it could be cool to also do the same thing for other kids um, that come from the same community as me, because I know that they don't have that kind of um, exposure. So the two things then came together, I combined them, and, and now we have taught the libraries as well. When I started, I didn't have a lot of people, um, but then... Uh, I started inviting uh, pro cycling teams to come and use my Toda Libraries ride as their way of giving back to the community. And fortunately, also my bicycle tour company, it involves books because I offer discounted bicycle tours to any travelers that want to see Soweto um, when they donate books. You know, so I give them a discount when they donate books and then I take them around so it's on bicycles. And then obviously inviting pro cycling teams 
to say, look, guys, you know, just give that to the community, donate a book and come ride with us in Soweto to these different community libraries and donate books. So the largest group that I've had, uh, but this was before COVID, I think it was about 80 to 90 people that came. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was quite a lot of people. How often is the ride? I do it twice a year, like at the beginning of the year and towards the end of the year. Uh, but sometimes we, we just do it with just me and my team. Whenever someone wants to do in books, because now you have corporates that are looking at other libraries as a team building exercise and part of their CSI program. Uh, so we do that with them. Or you have publishers that have published African uh, books, you know, authors and stuff that have books to, to share. But when we do with corporates or publishers or authors, it's not as big as the actual total libraries, right? That's I usually do. So, so I do it more than once a year, but for the public, it's, it's, it's twice a year at the beginning of the year and towards the end of the year. So does each person on a bike have a book to donate? Because I know with myself, even now, there's books at home that are collecting dust. Uh, so I usually just say, you know, if people want to explore so on bicycles, then they can donate a book. So they can bring the book to donate. It can be one book. It can be boxes of books. It can be two books. Um, it, it's not, it doesn't matter really. Whatever you can donate, I just take it. Because I know a lot of community libraries that are in need of different kinds of books. So then I take it and then me and my team sort out the books according to the needs of the library. We then decide, okay, cool. There's so many books. We can take them to this library. There's so many books. We can take them to that library. And also we support like other after-school programs where people are teaching kids, maybe computer science and stuff like that. And then we know that sometimes we do get those kind of books. It's a way for me to say, do not throw away a book. Um, or do not let the book collect dust at home. You know, if you're a reader and you've read a certain book that changed your life for the better, if you pass that book on to someone else, it can do the same. So you just bring it to me and then I'll organize a ride and then I'll take it to community libraries. Hopefully it will reach a child that um, can also have the same effect. How do you make your routes? How do you decide where to go? So, so far, uh, because this is my fifth year doing total libraries, I'm sure we've donated or impacted over 20 libraries. Because I know for sure we've donated to like 15 community libraries between different townships, including obviously Soweto, because that's where I'm from, and Charity Begins at Home. So with Soweto, obviously, we have a much more impact. And then outside of Soweto, it's other community libraries. Some of the community libraries, I find them through social media, where we say we're looking for a community library that needs books. And then people then reach out, and we have a, a long list, and then we try um, to, to, to deliver to everyone. The route, we inland, so there's less traffic. I mean, even though it's, it's quite challenging, but there's less traffic, so we're able to create that, that route. And then what then we do, we now have two days of toddler library. So we have a shorter route for people that are not cycling enthusiasts, but they would like to come and support the initiative. You know, they want to do something good for the community. So those are usually about 20 to 30-ish kilometers um, in and around Soweto. And then the second day of the libraries is the longer route where we actually do close to 90 to 100 kilometers uh, from Soweto to a different township or a different area in Joburg altogether. Um, and then those ones also with the routes, it's pretty straightforward. And sometimes we, obviously we use Commute, um, Strava and, and other apps that we can, we can um, access. 
to help us design the route. But yeah, the Soweto one is fairly easy because we, we live around, so we know our way around. Do you identify as a bicyclist and as a reader? What books have you really related to? I suppose I identify as, <laughs> as a guy from Soweto um, because sometimes these labels have a lot of pressure that comes with them. <laughs> you know, if I say I'm a cyclist, people are like, yeah, how many, how many kilometers do you ride? You know, uh, let me look at your Strava and all of that. So I'm just like, I'm just a bicycle guy. Because of business, I've always looked at Brian um, Trace's books quite a lot and Richard Branson because when I was growing up he had a massive impact in the entrepreneurship uh, programs in South Africa so I used to read some of his books like um, screw it let's do it uh, but then I also read quite a lot of historical books because of my job as a tour guide as a bicycle tour guide so um, I'm now into a lot of um, African um, literature and just uh, learning about you know where I'm from um, and, and stuff like that that's what I read. And currently, unfortunately, because of uh, the situation with business and stuff, I'm not reading as much as I can. And I'm also not cycling as much as I can. I only cycle when I do bicycle tours, which is like less than five kilometers um, showing the tourists around Soweto. So for me, that doesn't count as cycling, really. Um, I'm reading one of Walter Studios' books. There's a book that um, they wrote about his life, like this thick book. Um, I'm just enhancing my my knowledge on, on on his history and his impact that he had in fighting for freedom in Soweto. So that's what I'm currently reading. These days, I just like motivational stuff, like just normal books. Um, balancing business and life um, is pretty hard. So finding time is pretty tough at the moment. And also I've had some personal um, challenges that I had to get over. So reading and cycling at the moment is not where it should be. <laughs> but uh, as soon as I get over my own personal challenges that I'm facing at, at the moment, then I'll be back at, at reading and cycling full time. So you're the bicycle entrepreneur on Twitter. Did I see that you opened a bike store? Yes, I am the bicycle entrepreneur on Twitter, uh, but I also use my, my real name and surname, which is Mpumele Longtinzo, Mpumi for short. Um, and yes, I did open a bicycle store in Soweto. But yeah, it's been seven years in the making, um, that store. Obviously, COVID came and, you know, everything seemed like a, a very distant dream all of a sudden like you know it's something that I want to accomplish but uh, you know I was able to accomplish it after COVID it's been a year I've been running this bicycle store in in Soweto in Villagaza Street so Villagaza Street is one of our popular um, streets in in Joburg one of the most visited streets also a tourist attraction because it is a street where Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu um, stay so we still boast or brag about having two Nobel Prize winners in one street, which is Villa Gaza Street. That's where I'm based. My bike shop is based. My bike shop really is to service the community of Soweto, encourage cycling and make cycling look cool because nowadays people want to be associated with something that looks cool. So I'm trying to make cycling look cool, but over and above is to make sure that the Sowetans, more especially, do not travel far to get their bicycle service or accessories and stuff like that, and just to experience the culture of cycling, you know. So uh, that's that's the main reason of the 
of, of, of my bicycle store. Because in most cases, <clears throat> if you have a, a problem with your bike, you have to travel outside of Soweto to go get help, you know, or if you want quality products, you have to travel outside of Soweto to, to get quality products. So now I'm trying to bridge that gap and bring everything closer to, to, to the community of Soweto. Um, and so far, it's, it's been challenging on the business side of things, but in terms of the goal of servicing the people of Soweto, it's been very progressive. You know, we've had people bring in bikes. Um, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, over the past year that we've been operating, we've had probably just 50 bikes that we've serviced, where just people are just bringing in bikes. Some of them are old. You can tell that this bike hasn't been moved in a very long time. But because now there's a shop close by, they are able to bring their bikes, which for me is the ultimate goal. You know, if we can get more people um, cycling and get more people on bicycles, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's amazing. And obviously we have additional programs like teaching people how to ride bikes um, and just creating a safe space where kids can come also and, and see what it's like to, to have a bike shop in the township. Um, on weekends, we have a lot of kids that come to the shop. Also, I love the fact that they interact with tourists, you know, which is, is most important for personal growth to, to interact with people from different backgrounds, different cultures. So I, I, I see it as a positive thing, you know, it's a positive space. Um, so, so yeah, every now and again, I pat myself on the back for the bike shop that I've achieved that goal. So now it's just to build onto that, onto that goal and make sure that, you know, it's bigger than what I have in my head as a dream. Um, and it can service and serve the, the, the larger parts of Johannesburg altogether. And it sounds like there's a lot of history in the neighborhood. Do you do tours that include the history? Uh, Soweto was one of the, the strong areas that fought uh, for freedom. And Nelson Mandela was a resident in, in, in Soweto. So his house is turned into a museum, which obviously is our selling point in our bicycle tourism. Other people around Nelson that played a vital role in fighting for, for freedom, um, including uh, Winnie Mandela, who also has a house in Soweto. So our, our tours are very much historical tours on, on bicycles. Um, also, obviously, we have uh, Orlando Stadium, which, you know, it was functional during the apartheid, during segregation in South Africa. It also hosts holds a lot of history on, on how sports also played a part, uh, especially for, for Black people um, during those times. So, so yeah, our bicycle tours are, are mostly on, uh, on the historical side of things. So what's the best way to locate you? Uh, I think the easiest way is to Google Bookie Pony. Bookie Pony, so that's the word book, and then I-B-H-O-N-I. Well, thank you, Mpuni. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Looking forward to one day meeting you. Uh, maybe I can make it that side. Uh, we never know. <laughs> but either way, I, I do believe we'll, we'll one day meet. There's a South African proverb uh, that says, only mountains don't meet, but people always meet. So, yeah. <laughs> That was Bike Talk. If you have a story, a tip, or a topic, head over to biketalk.org and send us a message. Talk again next week. Get on your bike, sit on the seat, put your feet on the pedals, and ride it all around, ride it all around. Get on your bike, sit on the seat, put your feet on the pedals, and ride it all around, ride it all around. <laughs>